welcome to episode 27 of Back to the Futures. It is the season one finale of the podcast that we have been running all season long. It's presented by Change Up. I'm Matt Satilli. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Owen Shadrick. And right off the top, we have Futures League Commissioner Joe Pellucci with us. Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. A fantastic season of Futures League baseball in the books. Welcome. How are you doing today? Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. I'm doing good. I'm uh, excited to get the 2020 season over and done with and, and move on to, to 2021. And looking back on the summer, it was quite the summer for the league. Obviously, with all the stuff happening with COVID, we didn't know if we were going to play, and we ended up playing. So what did it mean to play this summer? Um, it, it, obviously, it meant a lot, certainly to the players, to our teams, you know, whether it be the front office or the team. But, yeah, I mean, it, it meant a lot because of everything that was going on back in March and April and May when everybody was starting to, to cancel, whether it be MLB or NBA or NHL. And then, you know, from a baseball perspective in the summer, the Cape and the NECBL. You know, so for us to kind of stand strong and be able to, to pull off a season, I think it meant a lot to, to a lot of people. So what traction do you think the league has been able to pick up? You know, we were one of the only summer collegiate leagues especially in this area, to play baseball. We had our first ever regionally televised contract with Nesson, and we had a load of talent in terms of players in this league. So what increases and what advantages do you think that's going to provide the league going forward? Yeah, um, so it's a really good question, um, and the answer remains to be seen. I mean, I think we need to do a lot of, a lot of work between now, you know, really and the end of the fall in terms of building rosters. We've received a lot of great feedback from college programs all across the country, you know, that are thankful that we were able to play and, you know, telling us that we're going to start to get you know, some of their top players. So, you know, it kind of falls on our general managers at this point to go out and build their rosters and kind of insist on, on you know, that level of player. But that's going to require work on our part. You mentioned Nesson, you know, that was huge in terms of giving us visibility throughout the region. You know, hopefully we can continue with, with that in 2021. Yeah, I mean, it's a great time for the league. We've got a lot of, a lot of eyeballs on us. Um, we just need to, like I said, work hard to continue to build the league into what we all want it to be. And this podcast is called Back to the Futures, as we've alluded to many times. All three of us worked for the league in some capacity last year, Matt with Westfield and the two of us with the league overall. What were the biggest differences you saw from this year versus last year as commissioner? A lot, obviously, because of what we've going through, right? So, like, the majority of the conversations that we had with ownership and team personnel was really regarding COVID and what our plan was, how we were going to keep our players and our fans and, and staff safe. So, you know, that was, like, number one, two, and three on the on the agenda every week. So that was probably the biggest difference, I think. But, you know, another really big difference was how well – ownership groups got along this off season and not that it was ever, you know, bad relationships, but everybody was really pulling in the same direction with, with one common goal. And that was to play the season, you know, so it wasn't necessarily about each individual team. It was about, you know, the league as a whole and that type of culture that we started to build, I, I hope is going to continue on, you know, not only next year, but for years to come with our ownership groups as we try to build the, the futures league brand. We're not done with the 2020 calendar year. We have our first annual Futures League golf tournament coming up in October. What can you tell us about that and other events the fans should be looking out for before we turn our calendars and fully look ahead to 2021? 
Yeah, and so on October 9th, um, I believe it's a Friday, October 9th um, at Cyprian Keys Golf Club uh, in West Boylston, we're having our first ever Futures League golf tournament, as you mentioned. Uh, but in addition to that, it's going to be our first ever Hall of Fame dinner. Um, so it's, it's a combined event. So golf is going to be in the afternoon starting at, I think it's a 12 o'clock shotgun, and then immediately followed by a dinner and a reception for our very soon to be announced first Hall of Fame class. So I'm really excited about that. It's only about six weeks away, but it, that should just, that should be a great day for the Futures League with both the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame. So we just finished season number 10. We're constantly looking forward and looking up to bigger and better things, but what does it mean to you to be able to induct that first Hall of Fame class and honor some of the people who've shaped the first decade of this league? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's huge, right? And I think, you know, after 10 years is, is a great time to start a Hall of Fame. You know, you can't have a Hall of Fame one or two years into, you know, a brand new league, right? But wait until you see this class. I mean, these are all people that have their footprints all over this league. Um, you know, the, the founding fathers, as we call them, uh, along with some of the, the best players that, that we've had in this league, um, you know, over the past decade. So it, it means a lot to start that group. Right. And it's going to be exciting, you know, the years going forward, who we're going to be inducting into it. I mean, I, I don't know yet if we're going to be doing it every year or if it's going to be an every other year type of thing. But, you know, it's it, there's a lot of great people that have been involved in this league since 2011. And it's 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 going to be exciting to see them get their due. We're certainly very excited to see who makes it to the Hall of Fame and honor them at that golf dinner on October 9th. And lastly, before we let you go, how about a message to fans after we just concluded the 2020 season and move on to 2021? Yeah, uh, honestly, my, my message would be to, to say thank you. I mean, this year was was incredible. The, the support that we had from the fans, you know, specifically in, in Nashua and New Britain, where we were able to, to get more fans, obviously, uh, was incredible. I mean, you know, even still you know, they were socially distanced, they were wearing their masks, they were following our protocols. And to see them come out, especially in that last series, where, you know, I think we were at the full capacity, I think it was 708 in Nashua. You know, our fans in, in, in Brockton and in North Shore, it's unfortunate they, were, they weren't able to, to see their teams play, but those are two great fan bases that I know are going to come back strong for next year. But I just want to say thank you to all the fans that supported our teams throughout the season. And you know, we're going to be back stronger than ever next year. Well, I think John Creedon said it best during game one of the championship series. It was the improbable summer of baseball. And once again, thank you for all of your efforts in making this possible. It was a ton of fun and we're not done yet. But uh, in terms of the conclusion of the first season of this podcast, thanks for coming on and sharing some words about what we saw this summer and how special it was for everyone involved. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. As always, you're doing a great job. Can't wait for season two. Thanks, Joe. Right. Thanks, guys. Thank you once again to Commissioner Pellucci for joining us today. And before we get back to the rest of this episode, let's hear from ChangeUp. We once again wanted to give a big shout out and thanks to ChangeUp, one of the FCBL's cornerstone sponsors all season long. As you may have learned during our three Nesson broadcasts, how cool is that, by the way? ChangeUp is a cutting-edge, player-centric pitch and performance management application. By comprehensively and accurately tracking pitch activity and capturing critical in-game performance data, ChangeUp helps baseball coaches protect their pitchers from overuse and helps players reach their full potential safely. 
Coaches and parents at all levels, Little League, AAU, high school, and the collegiate level take notice. Changeup is the clear choice to ensure your pitchers aren't being thrown too much or too often and are getting proper rest. In addition, Changeup's analytics function helps coaches and players understand each pitcher's current performance thresholds and helps inform training protocols to get your players to the next level. The Futures League is bringing you tomorrow's baseball superstars today. Changeup is helping make sure those superstars travel safely and as far as possible on their personal baseball journeys. Are you ready to join the Changeup Revolution? For more information, visit Changeup's website, www.changeup.io. That's www.change-up.io. Changeup, every pitch counts. We now return to the season one finale of Back to the Futures. So thank you to Commissioner Pellucci for joining us for a little bit. Great to hear his thoughts on what was an awesome 2020 season. And now for the season one finale of Back to the Futures. We are 27 episodes in. Baseball game is 27 outs. They say the 27th out is always the hardest to record. And this is a hard one to record because it's been an awesome series so far. It was so exciting. And we wanted to give you guys a little quick hit session with Owen and I so you guys can get to know your podcast host a little bit more. I assume uh, those of you who are tuning in right now have been some of our dedicated listeners all season long. So uh, thank you guys so much for everything and wanted to give you guys a little treat to send the 2020 season off properly as we already begin to look towards 2021. So, Owen, what do you say? How about we do some quick hits for the fans here? Let's do it. I love it. You guys know what it's presented by. Quick hits is always presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Zephyr high quality and innovative designs since 1993. All right, Owen, you ready to have the fans get to know you a little bit more behind the scenes, if that's cool with you? I am. All right, sweet. Let's do it. The first quick hits question. What was your favorite game that you attended this season? So let's go back. July 29th, Campanelli Stadium. The Rocks were playing the host to the Starfires. Jack Fox was on the mound for his first start of the year, and he pitched – with, along with Holden Ferrari and Joey Walsh, a combined no-hitter. It was the first ever no-hitter I saw in the Futures League live, and it was such a great experience and so good to see Jack, a D3 guy from Emerson, just dominate on the mound for the Rocks. Matt, how about you? So I have to go with a Monday night in New Britain. It was August 10th. It was a great back-and-forth game between the Bravehearts and the Bees. Todd Peterson, three-run, walk-off home run. He's someone who had been struggling at the plate. He was out for a couple days prior, and that place was electric. He was down to his final strike, down to his final out, launched a three-run home run to left, and he was signing baseballs for the kids for probably 10 minutes after the game. It was so cool to see that environment. The fans were on their feet, and it was a great game. Anytime you see a walk-off home run is a fantastic night at the ballpark, so that would be what I would have to say. The bees were buzzing all season long, and no difference on that night. And Matt, how about your favorite ballpark in the FCBL? So keeping it in New Britain, I have to go with New Britain Stadium. That was a park that I grew up watching a ton of games at. The New Britain Rockets, former AA team, played there for many years. Have a lot of great memories there. I love the press box crew there. Shout out all my guys. Leverett Ball, Nick Zelaya, Chris Grace, Robert, Kevin. It was a great press box setup. Their presentation was fantastic, and I loved watching games there. I was there quite a bit, too, so that would be my answer. 
Owen, your favorite park in the league. So obviously I've been with the league two years. If it were last year, I would have said Hanover Insurance Park, where the Bravehearts play, as many, many of our guests have said. Shout out to the crew there. Shout out Dave Peterson and John Creedon for the excellent job they do there. But for this year, I'm going to pick John Creedon's other team, and I'm going to pick the Nashville Silver Knights in Holman Stadium. Such a great stadium. It was so awesome to have fans this year. That was definitely a big part of it for me. Shout out to Matt Wright and Dan Byford, among the many other great Nashville Silver Knights employees there in Nashville, New Hampshire. Yes, once again, shout out Dan and Matt. They did an awesome job hosting us last weekend for the Futures League Championship Series. Personally, a ballpark that wasn't local to me that I had a great time spending three nights at this past weekend. So, great answer. All right, from the Futures League to the pros, favorite professional ballpark you've attended a game at? I mean, the easiest answer, Matt, would be Fenway Park. So I'm not going to say Fenway Park. I've actually been to Comerica Park in Detroit. Saw the Tigers play there when actually Rick Porcello was on the team. That is a beautiful park in Detroit, and I hope to go back there soon. Matt, how about you? Owen, I like the way you think. We love Fenway Park. It's America's bandbox. So many great memories there. But a couple years ago, I had the chance to go out to San Francisco and catch a game at the artist formerly known as AT&T Park. I sat in the last row on the first base side. The view there was unbelievable. Getting to see a home run, I saw a splash hit in McCovey Cove. It was my first time out west in California, which was an awesome experience. A lot of fantastic memories and a beautiful park. I think everyone, if they have the opportunity, should go out there to go see one. You gotta love that ball splashing in the in the cove. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It's the ball hitting the water. There's something about it. It's and then the Fenway. people in the kayaks going. Mm-hmm, trying yeah, to get it. I mean Fenway needs some water. I understand there's not much land, but you know it'd be a lot more fun watching it hit the water than lands down. So we'll put a kitty. We'll put a kitty pool out in lands down. Let's do it. <laughs> we just talked about ballparks, but how about general sporting events? What's the best sporting event you've ever been to? So I had the chance my junior year of college, that would have been the fall of 2018. I went down to Virginia Tech to broadcast a BC VaTech football game. It was on an October Saturday afternoon, 3.30. The place was packed. It was a picture-perfect day for football. You could not have asked for a better game. BC won down the stretch. Because of that, we clinched college game day in Chestnut Hill the following week. And just seeing the energy and the passion that those fans possessed, watching the team enter to the song Enter Sandman by Metallica, we actually got a chance to walk through the tunnel that the team walks out into prior to the game and touch the rock and go through the whole motions. That is something that immediately stands out to me that was just seeing a stadium 65,000 full was awesome. How about yourself? Uh, it's, it's tough to choose. I'll do one briefly and then do probably my favorite one. We're going to stay in college and my college UMass. I actually went to the frozen four game in Buffalo where UMass unfortunately lost to Minnesota Duluth, but it was such a great experience. And that'll, that's something I'll always remember forever, but a winning experience that I'll talk about. If you know me, you know that my love for Isaiah Thomas and the Celtics is, is unmatched. I, he was my favorite player probably that's ever played for a Celtic uni- in a Celtic uniform, which is saying a lot. February 1st, they played the Raptors. They went down by, I want to say, 14. And Isaiah Thomas scores 42, wills them back into the game. Him and Horford combined for, I want to say, it was 90-something. It was an unbelievable night to be a Celtics fan. And 
man, I miss him so much. There's nothing like seeing a good game at TD Garden. On that note, quick follow-up if I had to pick a second one. Getting the chance to cover a couple March Madness games at TD Garden. I saw a Villanova-West Virginia game that was electric. Both fan bases were there, showed out. As a Connecticut guy who grew up rooting for UConn, to see a Sweet 16 and an Elite 8 game in person and be there when they were cutting down the nest to go to the Final Four was really awesome. So now... We ask this to a lot of our guests that are maybe coaches or GMs or other people associated with the league. What is a baseball stadium or a sporting event on your bucket list that you haven't been to? Let's keep it in baseball. I really want to go to Wrigley, Wrigley Field in Chicago. My dad and my mom lived there for a little bit, and they talked about how great it was to just go there and watch a Cubs game. And, you know, the Cubs are almost like the third favorite team kind of thing. little bandwagon there from when they won it in 16. But, yeah, I would say Wrigley Field. Yeah, a lot of Red Sox figures that were on that 2016 team that broke the curse. Theo Epstein at the helm, John Lester, David Ross. Very fun team and a great ballpark. Love that answer. For myself, I am a diehard Green Bay Packers fan. I have never been to Lambeau Field. It was supposed to happen this year, but because of COVID, didn't have the chance to make it happen. Very soon in my future, I will be attending a game there and – the other one that is really, really high on my list, going to a Ryder Cup. So that is the golf event that takes place every other year between the U.S. and Europe. It's one of the only team events in the sport. Golf's my thing, if you didn't know. And the fans, the energy they bring, and being able to like yell on the first tee as the golfers are getting ready to hit their first shots is an atmosphere that is different from anything else in golf. And to go to an event at like the Country Club in Brookline or Beth Page Black, where it's going to be in a handful of years, would be awesome. Those are two incredible atmospheres that were certainly any, any sports fan would want to attend for sure. And Matt, how about walk up music? We've asked everybody this. What would your walk up music be if you were a player? So it's funny. This is the question that players seem to grapple with the most because it, it is. It's a big question, you know, you're rolling out there. I guess shout out my guy, Nick Sinicola. He's a big Travis Scott fan. Um, I think if I were trotting out there, I would go pick up the phone. Travis Scott, Young Thug, and Quavo. It's a, it's a little laid back, but it's got some good trap vibes to it. I think that is something I would walk out to, although I would probably be someone who would switch it up quite frequently. How about you, Owen? I'm doing two because it, I feel like it's definitely situational. If I was a pitcher, a little homage to my boy Koji Uihara, I'm going Darude Sandstorm. That is the most electric song in my playlist by far. It, it just always gets me hyped, so I would be incredibly happy to pitch with it. And at the plate, I'm a big country guy, so I would probably go something with Florida Georgia Line. Maybe I Love My Country, that's a good new one. But at the plate, I would probably be changing it up a lot depending on what comes out. Yep. You got to ride those hot streaks, you know, if you're – if it's working, it's working. If not, pick a new song. Get something else up there. Now, how about favorite movie and favorite TV show? This is hard. <laughs> uh, favorite movie has got to be Airplane. It's a classic. You can't go five minutes without having a funny scene in that movie. That's an absolute classic. And TV show, I'm going to go Hawaii Five-0, the new one with uh, Alex Olafson and Scott Kahn on CBS. It unfortunately ended a couple weeks ago, but great, great show and something that it I've watched countless amounts of times. How about you? Yeah, I know you've told me the, the replay value on Hawaii Five-0 is 
great. And I might check it out for myself. We got some more free time now. I've never been a, a, someone who's super invested in the 5-0. I'm a big Quentin Tarantino fan. I would probably have to pick Django Unchained. Great movie. It's a marathon of a movie. And it's got a great cast. Jamie Foxx, Leonardo DiCaprio, Christoph Waltz leading. So I would go with that. In terms of TV shows, I could probably count on one hand the amount of series I've finished beginning to end. So I'll be a little limited in this answer. But I will go with It's Always Sunny. Really like that series. You cannot go wrong with Danny DeVito. No, you cannot. And Charlie Day. Shout out Charlie Day. So, Matt, I'm a senior. I've been asked this a lot this week, and I'm sure you were when you were in school, too. The classic get-to-know-you question. Tell us a fun fact about yourself. I don't know. A lot of, a lot of fun facts to pick from when you're searching your brain at orientation or the first day of class, the first question you want to hear. Uh, I will go with that I have golfed with uh, Pumbaa, the voice of Pumbaa, who is the warthog in The Lion King. And... His name's Ernie Sabella, great guy, super down to earth. And there was one time during that round where I sank a putt and he gave me a Hakuna Matata, which was the best thing in the world. Um, he was an awesome guy. And like, I guess he's a loose family friend of ours. So it was awesome to get to meet him. And yeah, really cool to hear his experiences of uh, being in that iconic movie. How about you, Owen? Give us a fun fact. Hakuna Matata indeed, Matt. <laughs> A fun fact about myself, I am the great nephew of an NFL Hall of Famer, Dick LeBeau, who was a cornerback for the Lions. He also coached the Cincinnati Bengals and was the defensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am related to him. So you're not a Steelers fan, though, by any stretch of the imagination, but that's a great fun fact. Yeah, they're, again, similar to the Cubs. They're like third on that list. Then he left for the Titans, so they snuck in a little bit, but he has since retired, so... Well, Owen, he is a defensive mastermind and one of the legends in the game, so certainly some great blood to share. Dick LeBeau. Uh, now, a question that I don't think is going to come to a surprise to many, but favorite professional baseball team? The Boston Red Sox. Boston Red Sox. <laughs> go Sox, kids. It's been a tough 2020 for them, but um, go Sox. And that was the overwhelming favorite to uh, that question, which was answered by all of our guests. So, in conclusion, go Sox. Sox, kid. And a follow-up, Matt, who is your favorite MLB player? Are we going current and historical here? Yes, please. Okay. Current, I got to pick some of the BC guys in the league. I got to give a quick shout-out to them. Chris Shaw of the San Francisco Giants. He played in the Futures League. He was one of three professional guys to come out of our league. And also Justin Dunn and Michael King, both pitchers for the 2016 team that were a game away from the College World Series. Justin Dunn and Michael King both recorded their first win, actually, in the last week or two. So shout out to them. I don't really have a favorite player on the Sox right now. Mookie Betts is still a sore subject. So uh, non-conclusive evidence. Historical, I love what Kevin Millar did for that 2004 Red Sox team. He was electric. And the quote he gave to Dan Shaughnessy after his negative article in the Globe about the Sox being done for with, don't let us win game four because we got Pedro going game five, show going game six, anything can happen in a game seven. And we all know how that shook out. He was one of the big supporters behind the Cowboy Up movement in 03. He's great on MLB Network now. I always loved Kevin Millar. What about you, Owen? Well, it's been said on the podcast before, 
But in terms of non-Red Sox, and he's going to come back anyway, it's Brock Holt. Brock Holt is my favorite MLB player, pretty much unmatched. I'm a big Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez fan too, but Brock Holt is my guy. In terms of historical, I said it earlier as well on this podcast, Koji Urihara. Uh, I got into the Red Sox game a little late, so I didn't pick it up in 2013, but in terms of when I watched the Red Sox, he was my favorite closer to watch. That split finger was insane. Nobody could hit that thing for a lick. Uh, but you got to shout out Big Poppy too, what he did for the Red Sox, as Emma Carmen said on episode 24. There's no match in Big Poppy. Yeah, anytime a closer can come in and record a final out for a World Series, you're talking Keith Folk. Jonathan Papelbon, Koji Uihara, and Chris Sale, not a closer, but still, all of those are going to be iconic pieces of footage that live on in Red Sox lore forever. So shout out, Koji. Now, how about a baseball nickname or just more broadly, just a regular nickname? So I actually have both. I'll start with the regular nickname. My last name is Shadrick. So Shad, the first four letters of my name, which becomes Shaddy, Big Shaddy. I've heard them all. Um, and in terms of baseball nickname, this is, this is a funny story. So obviously Eminem was the real slim shady. My baseball teammates turned that to the real slim shaddy, but my baseball coach never wanted to call me by the full thing. So he just called me slim. That was it. <laughs> called me slim. I love so it. I was, known around, I was known around the baseball circles in my high school as slim. You ever uh, think of bleaching your hair blonde? Nope. <laughs> okay. That's a great story. Uh, for myself, so everyone pretty much just calls me by my last name, Satilli. Uh, there was one PA announcer in Little League who announced me as Matt Salty. So <laughs> uh, that was probably the uh, biggest extent of baseball nicknames. And just generally now, uh, some of my friends will call me Matty Ice. Shout out Matt Ryan. Just a fun nickname. You know, maybe if I hit a one fourteen foot shot from the elbow in basketball, we'll get a Matty Ice. <laughs> Uh, but that's about the extent of my pickup abilities these days. So, yeah, there it is, Matty Ice. I just want to throw out, too, that whenever I call you on Siri, she doesn't know your last name, so it's <laughs> audio to Siri. She never does. <laughs> and another question we've asked to every single one of our podcast guests, Matt Satilli, are you superstitious at all? I feel like for the amount of thought I've put into this question to still not have an answer would suggest no, I am not superstitious. I am very routine oriented and quite OCD when it comes to making a graphic and having to check them before they get posted with it maybe not missing a comma or the spacing being a little off. So uh, perhaps I should be a little more superstitious about that. Um, in terms of golf, the one superstition is if you're having a good round, don't look at your scorecard because it's only going to go downhill from that point on. So. That's the one I'll give. Well, to counter that, I am very superstitious. Everything these guys said on this podcast is pretty much what I would do if I actually played baseball. But in terms of watching games, if a position on the couch is working right, I ain't moving. If I'm doing a certain things with my hands, I'm going to keep doing it. Yes, I'm very, very superstitious. And if you sat with me at a baseball game, you would go insane. <laughs> or any sporting event. Not, it doesn't even have to be baseball. Do you do the rally cap at all? depends on the runs. I mean, again, I have my own, I have my own stuff. I don't, I like to do what I, when, if, if it's working for me, it's working for me. If I got to go to the rally cap, I'll bust it out. You know what? I feel like that's the perfect answer to the superstitions. If it's working, it's working. There doesn't need to be a reason behind it. So amen to that. 
Now, the age-old question, Owen, we have arrived at that part. Bubblegum or sunflower seeds? Which, that's the first time I've gotten a chance to ask that question, so it feels pretty good to get that out there. It was pretty good not to ask it, too, <laughs> for once. If you are a listener of the podcast, you know that dill pickle seeds are my go-to. Uh, I was very happy whenever anyone answered dill pickle seeds, but I do like gum. It helps me concentrate sometimes, so shout out gum. But seeds are the answer. All right. I like it. It's not a surprise to me. And you know what, Owen? The next time I stop at a convenience store, I think I've even convinced myself I'm going to pick up a pack of dill pickle seeds. I've never had them before. I'm not a big pickle guy, but for all the hype and everything I've heard about them, I think I owe them a shot. Yes, you do, sir. (laughs) All right. For myself, uh, seeds are great and all, but I am definitely more of a gum guy. If we're talking immediate impact, the first five minutes of a piece of gum, you cannot beat a piece of double bubble. It's a baseball staple. But if we're talking gum in terms of longevity, I'm a big fan of extra polar ice. So it's something a little minty, a little fresh, gets you going for a big event. Uh, yeah, so double bubble if we're talking just five good minutes or for you know something you want to chew on, extra polar ice. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And Matt, how about a dream job? Hmm, a dream job. So I think it's uh, fair to suggest that both of us are looking to pursue a career in sports in some capacity. I have really taken up an enjoyment for video editing, graphic design, stuff behind the scenes production-wise in addition to on-air stuff. On-air has and always will continue to be the dream. So I don't really know. I would love to work for a TV network and work a full annual calendar of a bunch of games, a bunch of different sports. I've always been someone who's really enjoyed the neutral third-party perspective of things rather than being the reporter who gives the hot takes and tells you information that you don't necessarily need to know or that I don't know the most about. I don't really have one sport that it's like, this is my sport and this is all I will watch. I will watch whatever sports are on. So I would love to be a studio host for a major TV network or something else that I think would be super cool is to be a public address announcer. I did it for Westfield last summer. I love it. Genuinely love anything that helps bring energy and passion to the fans that are in the stadium. So to be the public address announcer for the Boston Red Sox would be pretty cool. How about you, O? To be honest, I don't really know. I do know I want to work in sports. That's not debated. That's, that's the answer. I'm going to work in sports. It's just about where. I'm pretty lenient in terms of what sport I work, but I'm more versed in the basketball and baseball world. Uh, I've never, again, it's, it's tough because I haven't dipped my feet in a lot yet. I mean, we've done a lot of social media here, which has been fun, but I have a broadcast class this semester at UMass. So maybe something in that category, but yeah, it's, I, again, I had a lot of fun in this league. So maybe something like that could be cool for me. No, absolutely. And that's understandable how, you know, when UMass is getting waxed 40 to three by BC every time, how football wouldn't be your thing, but like, I get it. That's fine. That's fair. It's just something, something that happens. Yeah, I mean, and when UMass is going to the Frozen Four and UMass and BC season gets cut off, then, um, yeah. 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 You know, maybe if the season did get, didn't get canceled because of corona this year, we would have had a shot. But I guess well, we'll you're never just know. You're just speculating that, though. You don't, <laughs> no, you don't actually know that that would happen. Pure speculation. But I know for a fact that we missed the postseason for the last three years, which greatly pains me for the experiences I've had with that hockey program on the ice. But that's okay. It's all good and well. We love our Eagles. All right, now. Who's we? Me, myself, and I. Good. 
Favorite player in the Futures League? That's impossible. That's a hard question. Now I know why all these coaches and players have such a hard time answering who their favorite teammate was. It's just (laughs) – I'm going to give a couple because everybody else did, so it's only fair. Got to shout out Cedric Gillette of the North Shore Navigators, a good friend of Josh's, a good friend of ours on the podcast. Uh, Nick Sinicola, I've gotten to know him a bit. He's going to be do great things at UMaine, and we got to give a shout out to Sal Freilich, who's been obviously came on the podcast. He's going to be such a good baseball player in the big leagues. So shout out to him. Shout out to everybody in the league. It was so great getting to know everybody, and uh, it's gonna it's, it's such a tough question. But those are the, those are the three guys that come to mind for me. Yeah, it really is. And you know, once again, anytime a guest of this podcast does anything big in a game, we'll immediately text each other and say like, Hey, that's one of our guys. Um, we're super appreciative of everyone who's come on and have a special little spot in my heart for people who were willing to take some time out of their day and talk with us and for us to get to know their backstory a little bit more for me. I got to shout out my Starfires guys. I got to go the three headed monster of Dolan O'Castle episode 23 guest, Danny Crossan episode four guest and someone from last year who was genuinely a great kid was one of the first kids I talked to during the Starfire's first practices and just a bright spot to see at the ballpark leaf Bigelow. He's transferring from UConn to the university of Maine next fall. So good luck leaf. Uh, missed seeing you at the ballpark this summer, but to Dolan and Danny, you guys are the best. That 2019 Starfires team has a special spot in my heart because it was the first ever in Westfield and it was my first experience in the Futures League. So it's a very hard question, but I will go with those three. Fantastic. You got to go. You got to go the sentimental route there. You do. Matt, it's tough, but how about a favorite memory from this season? I would have to say getting the opportunity to be on Nesson and take part in those couple telecasts. I mean, like the fact that the league was able to pull off that TV contract, the first reporting I did for the Nesson games was on the Westfield Starfires, which meant the world to me. It allowed me to go to Brockton stadium that I hadn't experienced and see the inner workings of what a production truck is like and getting to work with the pack network, KJ Cardinal, Jared Fieldsend, great guys and work alongside Emma Carmen, Donnie Percaro, in addition to our three color commentators that we had. Had a blast doing that, and it was my first chance at doing live TV, which I was incredibly grateful for. So that is what I will go with. How about you, sir? Got to be the people we, we came across, whether it was from the podcast or specifically the people behind the scenes, whether it was me reuniting with them or meeting them for the first time. Big shout-outs to Joshua Cummins, our guy, our, that guy is uh, – he's a wizard, man. He's, he's got the Bible of North Shore. He is what this league – he just defines this league. He's a great guy and one of our good friends. Shout out Emma Carmen, Donnie Porcaro, all the crew from Nesson, all the crew from Nashville over this weekend. Just such a great – it's just such a great family atmosphere being in the Futures League, and I loved every minute of it. Cannot emphasize that enough, my friend. I say that this league is what it is because of the people who work in it because of how much they care, their love for the game, and getting a chance to meet all six of the press boxes because I was a little isolated just being in Westfield last summer has been an absolute treat. It goes without saying, the Futures League staff, you guys are the best. It's been awesome. Now, we have had 26 of them, this being our 27th. 
Owen Shadrick, your favorite Back to the Futures podcast episode. Just as difficult as the last one you asked me, but I'm going to have to go episode nine with Cam Cook. Cam is just an electric, electric guy, and he played in the league, so he had a lot to say from both perspectives as being the current general manager and being the all-time leader in hits for a season in the Futures League. And he said don't pickle seeds, so shout-out to Cam. And uh, also was the general manager for your 2020 Futures League champions. Congratulations to Cam Cook on that. For myself, I will keep it in Nashua. Kyle Jackson, KJax, claims he listens to every single one of the podcast episodes, which I don't doubt. He had been bugging me about getting on the podcast all season long. The first time I met him, he was like, you're the podcast guy. Why haven't I been on yet? So it was an episode that we wanted to make happen. And prior to the championship series, we were running that episode if they won or if they lost. And they are the only team in Futures League history to overcome a one nothing deficit. We got a chance to talk to him about his experience with the Sea Dogs, winning the title. And you know what, KJax, if you're still listening at this point, if you have claimed to listen to all the episodes, I will do you one better. Text me your address. I will send you your baseball card. It will not go to the Nesson Hall of Fame. It will go to the Jackson residence. I would be happy to give it to you. If anyone's tuning in and wants to share that news with Kyle, um, I know he was half kidding about it, but I would love to give it to him. I know it would mean more to him than it does to me. So perhaps as a reward for making it this long in the episode and sticking with us all season, you were a great guest and uh, would love to pass along a little memento from your playing career. So I will go Kyle Jackson. Yeah, shout out to Kyle and again to the Silver Knights on winning the title. And this was just, again, shout out to all, all of the guests we've had on this podcast. It was an incredible 26 episodes, something that I'll never forget and never take for granted. Just unbelievable people all across the league. And Matt, how about a favorite all-time baseball memory? All right, Owen. So uh, part of the reason why I picked BC was the opportunity to be in Boston. I am not a Patriots fan. I have always dreamed of going to a championship parade for one of my teams in Boston. That 2018 postseason run that the Red Sox made was unforgettable and one of my favorite sports memories. I went to game one of the ALDS against the Yankees, bought tickets for that before they beat Oakland in the wild card, got standing room only seats. I was sitting behind Drew Pomeranz's wife and family. Seeing JD hit that home run over the monster, watching the Sox win was incredible. As soon as they clinched, we went downtown to celebrate that night, and I took the day off from school to go to the parade with my friends. Once again, just a picture-perfect day in November. Streets were packed. Fans were on their feet. Got to see Jared Carabas and Coley Mick in a duck boat, which was pretty cool. And that entire championship run, I distinctly remember watching the blowout against the Yankees, the Brock Holt cycle game. Everyone was getting ready to go out for the evening, and me and a couple friends were like, no, we are watching this until its conclusion because something like this might not happen again. And anytime you can watch the Red Sox trounce the Yankees, is a great game. So I'll take that over an extra hour or two out uh, on a Thursday night. So – that entire 2018 Sox run, hands down, I will go with that. Owen Shadrick, favorite all-time baseball memory? Matt, to be honest, I would say the same thing, but I had a pretty special baseball experience in high school. I was actually the manager of the baseball team from sophomore to senior year. I'm not athletic, so coming into sophomore year of high school, I did try out for the team, did not make it, but the coach of JV asked me to be the manager, and I 
I didn't know what that was going to be like. And it just, the guys made me feel so welcome and the coaches acted like I was part of the team, even though I wasn't stepping up to the plate or catching balls in the field. It was a fantastic experience that I will never forget. Shout out to Rick Swanson and Frank Niles, Nick DeVito of the Hingham High School baseball team for giving me the opportunity to be part of the team, even though I wasn't playing. You know what? That's a fantastic answer. And as someone who only played one sport for multiple years at the varsity level, golf, which was an individual sport, that's something I kind of craved at the high school level was that team camaraderie. And that sounds like an awesome experience. Our final question of season one. Owen, a message to the Futures League fans. Ah, Futures League fans. I love you all. I appreciate the listens. I appreciate you guys going to games and supporting your teams. And to those who are close to me listening, I appreciate you all. And thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to me talk for an hour, which I don't know why you would ever do that. (laughs) But I appreciate you all. I appreciate all Futures League fans. And again, thank you to this league for giving me such a great opportunity these last two seasons. And, And again, it is an experience I will never forget and probably never stop talking about. Matt? How about you? Message to Futures League fans. Message to the Futures League fans. So this podcast series started because of a phone call from Joe Pellucci, who said, hey, would you guys be interested in maybe interviewing a couple players who are returning to the league to get some hits on social media before we formally announced the season would begin? What that has transformed into is a 27-episode marathon 4,000 plus streams, an incredible opportunity to listen to these players' stories and a chance to connect with you guys at home and hopefully deliver a little extra piece from the Futures League that we all know and love so well. This summer with the league has been one of the best experiences I've ever had in sports. To have the last couple months of college stripped away from me due to COVID was something that I really had a tough time coming to grips with. And the opportunity that this league has presented me with has been incredible. I have loved every single second of it. There is a lot of content out there on the interwebs that you guys could be tuning into, yet you choose to listen to us. You guys have supported us. The numbers have been awesome throughout the entire series. And thank you guys for everything. Once again, we try to do our best to try to make this professional and try to deliver you a taste of your favorite Futures League stars. And I hope we have delivered a small portion of those expectations and help deliver this league to the heights that it deserves so greatly. I have a feeling we're not done with this series. We'll keep you guys in the loop about that, but for everything over the last 27 episodes, thank you guys. It means the world to us. And Hey, as our one rating says on iTunes, top two podcast, and it's not number two. Amen to that. Owen. Amen to that. Well, on this note, I guess it's time to say goodbye for a little bit. In conclusion, a season that we never thought would happen, the improbable summer of baseball, according to John Creed, and as we mentioned earlier on in the episode, and truly one of the best internships and overall experiences of my life. Owen, you are the man. I would not want to have any other co-host sitting alongside me as I am always joined by in addition to our very special guests and to our very special listeners at home you guys are the best this has been episode 27 and the conclusion of season one 
of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. Thank you guys for everything, and hopefully we will see you all soon. We'll be right back.